You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 376 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. If you listened to the podcast earlier today on this fine Friday, you would know that, uh, A, it was a very long podcast with Jeff Siegel. I encourage you guys to go back and listen to that. But, B, we were not planning to do another podcast until next week. But uh, the news has dictated that we have to do a podcast here on this Friday. So within within 24 hours of the last pod, uh, we are actually back and doing another and uh, with good reason, as you're about to find out if you haven't already. Uh, the headline item uh, was probably going to be the uh, NBA draft tiebreakers being drawn on Friday afternoon, but now, as of earlier this evening, it is now Mike Budenholzer being granted permission to interview with the Phoenix Suns early next week. That comes as a result of a report of from Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN. Uh, he dictates that uh, Bud has been granted that permission. Uh, worth noting that it actually says that Budenholzer specifically was granted that permission and not that his sons requested permission. Uh, that was something that was pointed out by Jared Duman. Good friend of the program, and uh, that's something that we're just worth keeping in the back of your mind as you go through this. But uh, also of note in that report is that Woj reports that Budenholzer has two years and $14 million total left on his contract. That's the first time that I've actually seen or heard his contract details for, uh, sort of formally and publicly reported. There's been a lot of speculation about what his contract looks like, and the Hawks have been notoriously tight-lipped about that, but that's the first time I've ever, I've ever actually seen that in print, so that's worth noting as well. You know, $7 million annually is a lot of money for a pure coach. Of course, he was being paid in that dual role previously, and I'm, I'm assuming that's probably what he was making during that dual role, but at the same time, that uh, could be a sticking point for the future. Also, uh, Budenholzer is from Arizona. He's an Arizona native, so that's one of the things that if you're wondering why Bud might be looking to uh, go to Phoenix, potentially, uh, that would be one of the reasons why. You know, Phoenix was famously the worst team in the league this season, uh, but at the same time, they do have a lot of young talent. Devin Booker uh, headlining that, as, as well as Josh Jackson and a couple of other young, young, young intriguing pieces. Not that they're any, uh, set up any better than the Hawks are necessarily, but at the same time, uh, that would be one of the reasons, if not the reason, would be that Bud is from the Arizona area. So, that will be instructive in that way. Uh, also, Michael, Michael Cunningham of the AJC uh, cites a league source confirming the report originally, and he says that Tony Ressler specifically has granted permission to Budenholzer to go ahead and talk to the Suns. You may remember that uh, earlier in the offseason, actually before the season even ended, there was a report that said Bud was uh, interested in the Milwaukee Bucks job, and we played a little bit, a little bit of audio a couple days ago from Budenholzer in an exit interview sort of addressing his future. Also uh, worth noting, and I was prompted to remember, remember this from a K.L. Chenard tweet, but um, Dennis Schroeder actually mentioned specifically that Bud was emotional in addressing the team at exit interviews. That could be instructive as well in considering uh, his future here. You know, nothing is set in stone at all. By, by the reaction that, that this report got on Twitter and, and what I wrote about and tweeted about, um, you would have thought that Bud had already, had already agreed to uh, join the Suns. We, we, we are not there yet, and especially because of the fact that, you know, Bud's, you know, two years and $14 million is a lot of money to leave on the table in this spot. Uh, and Phoenix is not necessarily known for paying their coaches handsomely. In fact, Earl Watson was the lowest paid coach in the league, and Robert Sarver the Suns owner is notoriously stingy. So one of those things to monitor. There's lots to uh, sort of sift through here, I will say, when it comes to the Budenholzer reporting. But the headliner, of course, is that he'll be interviewing, uh, it looks like, with the Suns early next week. Um, yeah, going back to what I was saying about uh, the Jared Dubin uh, tweet that prompted that response about the fact that um, the wording is interesting on the, on the Budenholzer report. Um, if Bud is the one looking to get out of town, that might actually lessen the Hawks' leverage. Uh, if the, A lot of people were asking me if the Hawks could get some compensation from the Suns in this instance. If the Suns are really trying hard to go get Bud, they would uh, probably be 
more willing to pay up in the form of a draft pick, probably, or you know, draft picks plural potentially. But if, if if it's Bud that's trying to get out to go to Phoenix, that probably lessens the Hawks' leverage quite a bit there. So that's something that we're going to have to find out in the near future. If you're wondering uh, what Phoenix could offer potentially in the draft in terms of uh, draft compensation, they have the Miami uh, Heat pick this year, which is a mid-first round pick. They have their own. They have their own second-round pick. They have that's number thirty-one overall. They have all their future picks. They also have a first future first-round pick from Milwaukee and a twenty twenty-one first-round pick from the uh, Miami Heat as well. So a lot of draft capital to offer. In fact, you know, aside from Atlanta's own stock, Phoenix is probably the second most impressive. Uh, maybe if you get into what Boston has in the future, although a lot of their capital has already been spent, uh, Phoenix has a lot of uh, impressive draft, draft assets in the future. So that they might be more willing than a normal team would be to part with one of them in order to get their guy if Budenholzer was their guy. So all that to say, I'm not, uh, you know, writing the obituary quite yet for my Budenholzer, but at the same time, now that you've heard two teams linked to him, it's sort of impossible to ignore the potential and potentially even likelihood um, of Budenholzer leaving in the offseason. You know, we'll know more after this interview takes place. He could be gone as, as early as next week if this comes to fruition. Also, you know, if it's just Phoenix that he's interviewing with, that becomes interesting as well. There are a lot of other openings. Orlando is now open. New York is now open, for instance. Milwaukee's going to be open most likely. So uh, there's a couple of, uh, you know, opportunities for Bud if he wants to get there. But if the Phoenix thing is all he wants because he's from the Arizona area and just kind of wants to go home, quote-unquote, that becomes even more interesting because uh, the Suns, you know, it's a very interesting situation. We'll just leave it there for now. And I don't, you know, without speaking out of turn, I don't really know a whole lot more about this. I'm kind of in the in the same place that you guys are. But it wouldn't blow me away if the Hawks were to let him go, especially if they, especially if offer compensation. Uh, it's important to remember this is sort of the overarching thing the entire time for me is that Travis Schlenk did not hire Mike Budenholzer. Uh, that is important to note. And also, Budenholzer was around before Tony Wrestler got there. We don't know the the, informa- the information in terms of how those guys get along. You know, publicly everything's been good and fine on, on the level with those two. But it's different um, if you're. GM to hire to be able to hire your own guy, and uh, given that Bud has owed a lot of money for two years, it wouldn't be the biggest surprise in the world if they didn't uh, necessarily want to stop him from fleeing elsewhere. I mean, I, I again, I've not heard anything negative about their relationship, but it's always a little bit interesting. That was one question we had entering the season was just how Schlenk and Budenholzer were going to get along from a vision standpoint. You know, Bud did reference at X interviews that he actually thought this season was probably easier than he thought, but all the talk about him being emotional and uh, sort of setting out on this rebuild and not necessarily what he signed up for, given the way that he approached things as a GM when he was kind of avoiding that um, the entire time that he was uh, the decision maker in the front office. So a lot of conflicting things there, but uh, something I've always reminded people of this, that uh, Schlenk did not hire Bud, and as a result of that, we kind of just don't know the relationship there, and that speaks to a lot of different things. So in terms of compensation or whether whether Bud actually wants to go, a lot of questions to be answered, but they could could make a trade for Bud if Phoenix wanted to do that. You know, famously Doc Rivers was traded, Jason Kidd's been traded as a head coach, so it's it's happened before, it could happen again, and Bud could uh, actually command some assets, but a lot of uh, work to be done before we actually get to that point. Uh, Moving on. Before I want to, before I wrap up this uh, probably shortened podcast, um, when we talk about the NBA draft scenarios that took place on Friday, I do want to remind you guys to subscribe to the podcast. I really appreciate every way that it's already done that, and uh, we've actually had a nice little uptick in those subscriptions in the last couple of weeks as I've been uh, encouraging you guys to do that. So please keep it up for me. Leave five star feedback if you have multiple devices. Subscribe multiple times, download multiple times. It really helps me to uh, do that. Even if you're only listening once, uh, we can, we can game system together if you want to if you want to do that. Uh, I would definitely encourage it. So please tell your friends, especially if you have Hawks fans friends that don't necessarily have a podcast home for their Hawks fandom, this is a good spot for it. So thank you for doing that. And we will definitely be here throughout the summer. 
Uh, moving on to the other sort of headline item that was happening on Friday. I was going to hold this for a Monday's podcast, but given that we were already going to talk about Bud, it's time to just do that now. Um, the Hawks had the two tiebreaker scenarios on Friday. They were both uh, drawing, uh, one, of, one of which was actually the T-Wolves drawing against the Spurs for that mid-first round pick that the Hawks now own, and the other one was the Hawks and the Mavericks. Um, in the end, the Hawks actually lost both. So we'll start with the one uh, for Minnesota's pick of the Hawks. This is a very easy one. The Hawks will be picking number 19 overall in the first round. Um, that's they lost that spot, so the highest they could get there was 18. It was a, it was a two-way uh, tiebreaker, and the Hawks ended up losing that one to the Spurs. So they'll be picking number 19 overall. It's the same spot, of course, that John Collins was picked at last year. Not a huge deal. It's one spot in the middle of the first round. Uh, you know, the, jo- the jokes were certainly made about a superstar being available at 18. It's not at 19. That would not be uh, the craziest thing in the world. But at the same time, only one spot, not the end of the world there, even though if the Hawks got a little bit unlucky. The, uh, the the other one, though, is a little bit bigger deal. The Hawks lost also to Dallas in their two-way tiebreaker, and uh, as a result of that, the, uh, the the lottery odds are hurt for the Hawks. They can, they can now fall as far as number seven overall, although they only have a 1.3% chance of falling to number seven, but all of the uh, odds from four to six uh, are hurt for the Hawks in losing that coin flip. The the one to three odds are basically the same. Uh, Dallas has a very, very small edge in the one to three, uh, but at the same time, the four to six are hurt in that way. So uh, a quick run down of those of those odds the Hawks, have, the Hawks have a 13.7% chance at the number 1 pick a 14.2% chance at number two pick, a 14.5% chance at the number three pick, an 8.5% chance at the four pick, a 32.3% chance. The most likely scenario is the five pick, and number and at number six, a 15.5% chance before we get to the 1.3% chance at number seven. So a shorthand, about a 50-50 chance that the Hawks have a top four pick, 50.9% in that way. So you know, sort of a coin flip as to whether the Hawks will be in the top four or not, but an 83% chance they'll be in the top five. So if you're looking at it, I think top five is a realistic expectation. Top four is a coin flip. And then everything beyond that is a luck based, you know, 42% chance to get in the top three if they want to do that. So, you know, the odds, the odds are still strong though for the Hawks. I will say though, uh, for Dallas, the odds are much, much greater. In fact, um, if you're looking at the Mavs, and this, this is what the Hawks, the Hawks chances would have been had they won the coin flip, it would have been a 66% chance for a top four pick versus 51% and a 95% chance of a top five pick, whereas the Hawks are only at 83%. So that, that's really the big difference between the uh, the loss here. The actual top three lottery odds are basically the same, but it was the, the the tiebreakers for four and five and the way that that all shakes out. Basically, if the Hawks do not draw into the top three, uh, the lottery only draws the top three and everything else goes in order after that. So uh, those those remain unchanged, but losing a spot uh, definitely hurts that high in the draft, and that will uh, be instructive in the next couple of weeks. You know, the draft lottery is not until May fifteenth, so now a long, long wait between between news, a full calendar month here between uh, this this drawing and the actual draft lottery. At that point in time, we'll know where the Hawks pick, but until then, we'll uh, analyze and pour over the numbers and see what kind of scenarios are going to be out there for the Hawks. But you know, fifty fifty chance at a, top, at a top four pick and a very very likely outcome of a top five pick with a very slim outcome of a top seven pick, which prompted, of course, all the jokes in the world in terms of the Hawks, if, if it being a very on-brand for the Hawks to fall to number seven, that would be incredibly unlikely, but it's, it is it is certain, it's certainly possible. So keep your contingency scenarios available, and that could certainly happen in the near future. So thanks for listening to the podcast, everybody. I, pre- I apologize for the shortened episode, but again, this is, probably, this is pretty much an emergency episode of the pod, so uh, I apologize for the swiftness in, the, in which we handled it. And if anything breaks with Budenholzer over the weekend, any additional teams, 
We'll probably come back with, with another show, uh, emergency style. But if nothing else, we'll be back again early next week, either Monday or Tuesday, with a with a with a, with a, with a, with a podcast. that's probably more a Hawks sort of look back focused than our, 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 our more recent shows. There's basically been a lot of news, so we'll do some analysis on some players and what they did this season before we sort of transition full, almost full time into draft mode and free agency mode later on in the summer. So thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you guys in a couple of days.